We're still continuing that story of where Peter and John walked into the temple and healed the lame guy who was begging. Um, so that's how the story started. Peter and John, they walked into the temple, and the lame man was stopped at the gate, and he looked at him, and he said, hey, do you have any silver or gold? Do you have any money? I, I can't work. This is how I'm going to make a living. And Peter and John, they looked at him, and he said, no, we don't have silver or gold, but what we do have I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And then in that moment, that guy literally got healed. He's never walked before. And so he gets up and he starts walking, but he doesn't just walk. He starts leaping and shouting and, um, and glorifying God. Like, remember how Tucker got up and did the gritty the other week? Like, that's what this guy's doing. And so everyone in the temple is like, what is happening? Like, this is Fred. Like, he's been begging for 40 years. His name is obviously not Fred. Fred is not a, a Jewish name back then. But he's like, this is Fred. He's been begging for 40 years. Why is he jumping up and down? Something must be happening. And so that's whenever the crowd start to gather. And this gives Peter the opportunity to start preaching about Jesus, which is what Garrett talked about last week of Peter's sermon. They start preaching to the crowd. Peter, he's like, if everyone's going to come and ask what's happening, I'm going to tell them what's happening and I'm going to preach about Jesus. And it's in the middle of Peter's sermon. He's still preaching about Jesus. As he's speaking, the Jewish leaders come up and they interrupt him and they stop them. And um, that is where our story picks up tonight. But before we go there, like we're pretty obvious people, right? Like people can tell like if you've done something, if you've been somewhere. Like when you get home from practice, like it's really hard to hide that you just got back from even band practice or football practice because it's obvious because you stink really bad, right? Like we're obvious people. Like, if you just got back from the dentist, it's kind of hard to hide that you just got back from the dentist, probably because either you're loopy still, or your cheek is twice the size it should be, or you're just complaining because your shake tastes different because you just got your teeth cleaned. Either way, it's obvious that, like, oh, this, something's happening. You just got back from the dentist. I can tell because A, B, and C, right? Like, we're pretty obvious people. And that's usually the case except for American Christians, and that's because there's a lot of people who say they are Christians, but then they don't live it out. They're Christian in name only, but they don't actually walk like Jesus walked. And as I'm say, saying this, like some names are coming to your head, some people, some faces, don't point at them. Um, but I'm saying this, people are probably coming to your mind. And that leads me to my question. When you go to school, when you go home, when you're around people that know you or don't know you, can they tell that you've been with Jesus? When people, when you go to school, can people tell that you've been with Jesus? Think about that as we go into our story. So Acts chapter 4 verse 1, it says, While they were speaking to the people, remember this is Peter's um, sermon that he's preaching. It says, While he's preaching, the priests, the captain of the temple police, and the Sadducees confronted them. Because they were annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized them and they took them into custody until the next day since it was already evening. But many of those who heard the message believed. So the number of the people um, came to about 5,000. So while Peter and John are preaching to the crowds, like what Garrett preached on last week. And by the way, like, let's give it up for Garrett. Like, that was an awesome sermon last week. That was awesome, but I, I guess not as awesome as Peter because 2,000 people got saved during Peter's um, sermon. That is, I mean, 
you what? That's true. Like no one compares to Peter's message. But think about it. Like Peter preached the. They went from 120. He preached one message in Acts chapter two. It went to 3,000. Now he's preaching this message in Acts chapter three. It goes to 5,000. So we see the early church is growing. Um, but while they are preaching, the Jewish officials they came and confronted them. And I like the reasoning that Luke gives us. It says it, it's because they were annoyed. Have you guys ever annoyed anybody before? Is there anyone who just in here likes being annoying? I see some people who are not raising their hand that should be raising their hand. <laughs> the annoying people are too busy annoying people to actually listen to what I was saying. <laughs> um, but they were annoyed that Peter and John were still preaching about Jesus rising from the dead. Like, think about what's going through these Jewish people's minds. Like, they were annoyed when Jesus was alive. That's why they killed him. And like, okay, finally we put this thing to, to bed. Like, this is out of it. And then they were annoyed because, like, apparently people are saying this Jesus guy rose from the dead, and these guys won't shut up on him. So they are annoyed. So if you're going to annoy anybody, this is for my people who just rose their hand, let it be because you're preaching the gospel with boldness and truth, not just to be annoying, Right? Like, don't just be annoying to be annoying. Do it because you're preaching the gospel with boldness and truth. And so this really annoyed the Sadducees. Um, so this Pharisees and the Sadducees, you guys don't need to know this for the test later, but the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. I'm just kidding, there's no test. Um, but if you mention this in, in small groups, it's going to be bonus points. Um, so there's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Sadducees were also here, and they were very annoyed because, hey, will you guys please turn the chairs around? Sorry, thank you. Um, the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection at all. The Pharisees did believe people could rise from the dead. The Sadducees didn't. That's why they were sad, you see. Get it? Because they don't believe in the resurrection. Um, and so they arrested Peter and John. Like, think about this. Like, this is a big moment in the church. Like, this is the first time any one of them have been arrested since Jesus was arrested. A couple months before this. And so they are spending a night in jail. And all, keep in mind, this is all the very same day that Peter and John healed the lame man. Like, they healed the lame man probably around 3 p.m. And by the time they're going to bed, they're spending a night in jail. And so we're going to see in the next few verses that the next morning they are being questioned by the exact same people who were questioning Jesus the night he was arrested. So think about that. Like this story, it's starting to look very similar to the story that we read a few months ago in our King Jesus series where Jesus was being arrested. Like you remember like Judas betrayed Jesus, Jesus got arrested, and then he was um, being questioned. Jesus was arrested he was questioned by the same Jewish leaders, and by the next morning, he was hanging on a cross. Like, can you imagine what Peter and John are probably thinking in this moment? Like, they just got arrested in the same place by the same people. They're probably thinking to themselves, like, God, where are you? Like, God, you, I thought this is what you called us to do. Like, are we next? Is this the end? Are we going to spend the rest of our lives in jail, or are we going to be hanging on a cross this time tomorrow? Like, these are real questions Peter and John are probably thinking in this moment. And they're also probably thinking, like, what are we going to do when we're being questioned? 
Like if they ask us, like, what are you preaching about? Are we going to be bold? Are we going to share? Or are we just going to like, take the get out of jail free card and just pretend like none of this happened? Like honestly, if they wanted to get out of jail, they could just say, yeah, we made it all up and, and run off and they would be fine. So that's a very real temptation for them in this moment. And so the Jewish rulers, they asked them, by what power or by what name have you healed this man? And so this is where the apostles, Peter and John, they have the opportunity. Do we, do we trust God or do we get out of this? So verse 8 says, Then Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which they, we must be saved." And so we're just asking, like, how are the apostles going to respond when they are threatened by the same people who killed Jesus? They come out swinging, right? They are not afraid. Like, they come out and, like, we are not going to back down. But notice why. Notice why they're not afraid. It wasn't because they were smart. It wasn't because they knew the Bible better than the Pharisees, because they didn't. The Pharisees spent their entire lives studying the Bible it wasn't because of any of those things. It, but Luke says in verse 4, he says, they weren't afraid because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, in Acts chapter 1-8, the very first um, message of this series, Acts 1-8, Jesus, right after he rose from the dead, right before he's about to go into heaven, he says, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power to be a witness to the ends of the earth. So this is what Jesus promised. He says, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will have power to be a witness. And so now the apostles are living in that same power. And they say the same thing they told the crowd. They say, it is Jesus who healed the man. Like if you're wondering who healed this, it wasn't us, it was Jesus. And then Peter gets ruthless again. And he says to the exact same people who killed Jesus, he says, it's, it's by Jesus. Like you know the guy, like it's the guy that you crucified and the guy that God raised from the dead, like, you know, the God that you say you served, like he's, he rose from that Jesus. That's the guy who healed this man. And so Peter, he is not backing down. And so Peter, he says, like, you rejected the Messiah. You rejected the Savior that you say you've been waiting on. And there is salvation in no other name. There is no way to salvation except through Jesus and that is not the reaction that Jewish leaders were expecting in that moment. Like, honestly, they were probably expecting them to either, like, fumble around with their answer. They were probably expecting them to cower in fear, just maybe just to be silent. Or their best case scenario, they were hoping that Peter and John would say, like, yeah, we don't believe any of that anymore. Like, all that was fake, all that was made up, um, and then run off. Like, that's what they were hoping for because, honestly, the Jewish leaders, they didn't believe any of that happened in the first place. And so they were hoping, like, if we just lock up the two leaders, Peter and John, if we lock them up, maybe they'll admit that all this is fake. But they don't. Verse 13, it says, When they observed the boldness of Peter and John, they realized that they were untrained and uneducated men, 
And they were amazed. And here's the main line. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So boldness. That's how they are characterized. Peter says they, are, they saw their boldness. Remember, it's not their own strength. It's not their own might. It's not their own power of anything. Because it says right here, like they were uneducated and they were untrained. Especially by Pharisaical standards. Like Pharisees, they studied the Bible their entire life. Like I said, the Peter and John, like they were just fishermen. Like they were untrained. They were uneducated. But notice what was enough. Their education wasn't going to be enough. Their, their background, it says they noticed that they had spent time with Jesus. Jesus is all you need. Like, especially you think, like, I don't know if I carry around my Bible. I don't know if I can invite anyone to church. I don't know if I want to let anyone know I'm a Christian. Because what if they ask me a question that I don't know? Like, I didn't go to school like Pastor Matt. I've never preached a message like Gear. I never read the whole Bible back and forth. Like, I don't know. Peter and John were untrained and uneducated. But they had been with Jesus. And people can tell People can tell without a doubt if you've been with Jesus or if you have not been with Jesus. Like, you know, like, it's obvious. Like, the people who've been with Jesus, like, they're different. Like, they're kind. They're patient. Like, why are you so patient? Why are you so loving? Why are you always so nice to me? People who have not spent time with Jesus, like, they're selfish. They're mean. They want everything done for themselves. They're, they're impatient. People can tell if you've been with Jesus and if you haven't. We're pretty obvious people. Continuing in verse 14, the Jewish leaders, and, and it says, And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. After they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves, saying, What should we do with these men? For an obvious sign had been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. So it says they called them in and they ordered them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. So Peter and John answered them. He says, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And so after threatening them further, they released them because they found no way to punish them because the people were all giving glory to God over what had been done. And so the leaders, they were very tempted just to put Peter and John to death. They killed Jesus on much less charges. But they decided not to because everyone in the city, they knew something special had taken place. They knew Fred was disabled for 40 years, and now he's running around leaping, praising God because God healed him. Like, that is evident. Everyone knew. And so they thought, like, if we put these guys down, like, a mob is going to rise up. And that's the last thing we want because if a mob rises up, that means Rome's going to come in. Rome's going to crack down. We don't want that to happen because then we lose our freedoms. And so they're thinking ahead, like, we don't want a mob. So the best case scenario, like, we're just going to tell them, don't speak in the name of Jesus or else. And it says they threaten them further. Don't ever speak in the name of Jesus. And spoiler alert, Peter and John and the disciples, they continue speaking the name of Jesus and the punishment does get way worse. But we won't get to that chapter. Like the very next chapter in Acts chapter 5, 
Peter and John are arrested again because they're speaking in the name of Jesus. And they are flogged just like Jesus was. Like literally they're tortured to where their backs are being whipped and beat to where they're losing skin and flesh just like Jesus was before he was on the cross. And then in Acts chapter 12, it says they are arrested again for speaking the name of Jesus. But this time James gets executed. James gets put to death. And Peter, he is sentenced to die for the very next morning. But an angel comes in and releases him from jail and saves him from execution because the church is praying for him. All that's in Acts chapter 5 and Acts chapter 12. So they do continue speaking the name of Jesus. Because the disciples, they said they had to obey God rather than the people. They had to obey God rather than the Pharisees, they cannot stop talking about what they have seen or heard because they were eyewitnesses to the life of Jesus. Think about it. Like Jesus called them out of darkness and into light. They saw Jesus as he was being arrested. They saw Jesus get crucified. They saw him, his dead body, and they saw him raise again. They saw his resurrected body. They were eyewitnesses. They could not keep it in what they found. And that is true, and that should be true for us, that when you encounter Jesus, like not just, honestly, like, let me be real for a minute, like not just come to a church service, not just come to a Sunday morning or to a church camp, but when you truly have an encounter with Jesus, where you're able to walk away from that, like my life, like something's different now. Like that Jesus that we say we believe, like he really is real. When you encounter Jesus and surrender to him, you cannot hide it. Like something happens inside of you where you don't want to hide it. You can't hide it. And, and here's another thing I put on the screen. Like the better you are at hiding Jesus proves you really never knew him in the first place. Like if we can be really, really, like if the better you are at hiding, the better you are at keeping it in, it proves that something didn't really happen inside in the first place. It, like you truly aren't being transformed. So immediately after Peter and John are released, because they release them, they say, hey, don't speak in the name of Jesus ever again, or else. And so they release them. So Peter and John, they go back to the church, and they tell everyone what just happened. Because at this point, everyone in the church is like freaking out. Like, Peter and John, our main dudes, they just got arrested. What's happening? So they go back to the church. In verse 23, it says, after they were, were released, they went to their own people and they reported everything the chief priests and the elders told them. It says, when they heard this, they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. So, like, this is kind of strange, right? Like, you would think, like, as soon as Peter and John come back, like, the church would be celebrating. Like, they would be, like, happy and everything. And, like, here's a funny story that in Acts chapter 12, they're going to going to get to like when Peter is in jail and he's about to die the church prays for him and he gets released Peter goes and knocks on the door of the church like hey you guys guess what an angel let me go the church doesn't believe them like hey it's Peter and the church is like no it must be his ghost or something like the church like they're not prepared for this like they're like they're not and so this first time it says like the first thing they do is pray like the first thing they do is pray they they first acknowledge God, like, and, and it makes sense when we think about it. The first thing to do is pray, but they acknowledge God is master and the creator. Like that's the first thing it says, master, you created everything. 
they are putting everything into their proper perspective. They're thinking about their real daily lives, where their lives are at risk. They're thinking about their walking around daily lives, and they're thinking about it through the lens of God. They are not worried about the Jewish leaders. They're not worried about their freedoms. They're not worried about their lives because they knew God was their master and they knew God was their creator. They knew everything was in his hand. Like nothing is going to happen without his word. It's like I say all the time, like if, if God really is in control, if we really believe he has all power, if we believe he is all sovereign, and we also believe that he is good and that he loves us, if those two things are true, then we can put our trust in him. We can trust that everything is going to work out for our good, even if it hurts in the moment. And so they continue to praise and magnify God for his faithfulness. The prayer goes on a little bit further. They're quoting Old Testament stuff. But this is how they end their prayer. In verse 29, it says, And now, Lord, consider their threats, and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand for healing, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then here's how it ends. It says, when they prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak the word of God boldly. So they were just threatened by the same Jewish leaders who just killed Jesus. They were already bold. Like Peter and John, like you could argue, like they were already being bold. Like whenever they said, hey, we're going to threaten you. Don't do this. And like, hey, you know what? Maybe we should listen to God instead of you. Like, try that on your parent. Like, your mom, like, that's not going to work on your mom. Like, if your mom says, hey, don't go to church. Like, should I listen to God or you? Like, don't do that. That's not going to work. But you can already, like, argue. Huh? Then you meet God. Yeah. Like, yo, you really want to meet God, don't you? I mean, Peter was risking that in this moment. Let's be honest. Um, like, they were already bold. Like, Peter and John's boldness got them a night in jail, and it got them more threats to come. But they go back, and they pray for more boldness. They don't settle for where they already were. They want more boldness, not less, in speaking God's word. They want to see more miracles, not less. They want to see the world change for the better because the kingdom of God is coming more not less. They want to become more like Jesus, not less. And it says as they are praying that, like, God, we want more boldness. God, we want to speak your word with more boldness. We want to see more miracles happen. We want to see your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It says as they are praying this, the place they were shaken was, or the place they were in was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the word of God even more boldly. That was the result of this whole scenario. And so my question for you tonight is, what if we took this seriously? Like, like let's think about what we're doing here tonight. Like, are we just, like, this is for you to think about for yourself. Like, are we just going through the motions? Like, is, just, is this just some kind of ritual that we do because we want to have fun and we want to feel better about ourselves? Or some of us, like, we just maybe want to get to heaven whenever we die, like, what are we doing here? Like, what if we really took this seriously? What if we saw the way the early church was and we wanted to be just like them? Like, what if we really followed Jesus seriously? What if we followed the example the apostles gave us 
and we prayed for more boldness and more miracles? And what if we prayed for more of the Holy Spirit? And what if we prayed for our schools to change and our families to change? Like, what if we just prayed more? Like, think about, like, what would happen? How would our youth group look different? How would our lives look different? How would our schools or our world be changed? How would our families be changed if we took this seriously? I believe that if we took this seriously and we prayed like the early church prayed, that this room, like this little room, would be shaken and fire would fall from heaven. Like this place would turn into a place of hope. This place would turn into a place of peace. And we would be starving to come back to this room every single week so that we could share what God has done with us this, for the last week. And then we could be refilled with the Holy Spirit to go back out into our schools and families and do it all over again. That is my prayer for you guys tonight. That our hearts would be burdened to see our world changed so much that we actually prayed for boldness to talk about Jesus. And then we went and we did it. I pray that we would have our hearts burdened so much to see the world change that students who maybe they feel like they want to take their own life and maybe they want to take out people with themselves, like they would have somebody come and share Jesus with them, invite them to church, and this would be a place where they belong, and they would never have to get to that evil decision in the first place. Like that is my prayer, that that would be a burden, where you hear news, or, or maybe it's even a fake story, who knows what really happened, that you would hear that, and that something in your heart would be like, man, I wish I would have invited that person to church last year, last month, last week. That's my prayer. What's yours? If Matthew would go ahead and come back. Like that's, that's my prayer. Like, so my question is, what is your burden? What is your why? When you hear a story like this, whenever you think about Jesus, what is your burden? What is your why? People need hope. There's a lot of hurting and broken people. People need hope. And that's because people need Jesus. So my first step, and this is for everybody, my first thing is that salvation is found in no other name. Life is found in no other name. Like everything that you think you're looking for, peace, joy, hope, satisfaction, like just happiness, that's not found on social media. That's not found in scrolling on TikTok. That's not found in getting the new phone, a new car, a new fill-in-the-blank that's not found in a new boyfriend or a new girlfriend. Like life, the life that we so desire is found only in Jesus. Salvation is found in Jesus alone. Jesus is the answer for all of you tonight. And you might be thinking, like, I've been coming to church. I'm saved. I'm good. No, I'm still telling you Jesus is your answer. Every single one of us, me included, you sponsors included, every single one of us, we have idols in our life. We constantly put things before God. We constantly think this thing is going to make me happy instead of God. Like, I am guilty of that. We all need Jesus. Jesus is the answer for you tonight. What, what is in your life that's in place of him? Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer to the question that everyone at your school is asking, too. Whether they know it or not, you see them asking 
the question that Jesus is the answer to. You see them wanting more. They want to feel happy. They want to feel like they belong. They'll do anything to feel like they want to belong, that they can be accepted, to have fun, to, to be careless. You guys know what I'm talking about. Jesus is the answer to the question they're asking with their lives. So my challenge is take, take Jesus and share it with them. Take Jesus. He's all you need. Share Jesus. He's all they need. And my second thing, and this is where we're really going to land tonight, pray for boldness. Pray for courage. Pray for fearlessness to live more like Jesus and to be fearless in sharing him. It was evident that the apostles spent time with Jesus. Like whenever the, they were with the Pharisees, the Pharisees were like, oh, this makes sense. They were, they've been with Jesus. They could tell. Whenever I'm talking about sharing Jesus, I'm talking about being bold. There's a part of you, you're like, I don't know if I want to do that. Like, yes, I want to do that, but that's scary. Like, I don't want to go out on a limb. Remember the apostles, it wasn't their power. It wasn't their words. It wasn't their outgoingness. Like they weren't, like you think, oh, that's just for extroverts. That's just for, just for people who don't care what people think about them. It wasn't their power. It wasn't their personality. It's because they got filled with the Spirit and the Spirit gave them the ability. It was the Holy Spirit's words. So my practice for you tonight, spend time with Jesus and ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can make you bold and give you a desire to share him. It's his powers, not yours, that's going to change the world. And then when you do that, when you spend time with Jesus, it's going to be evident. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that's going to be evident. You're going to be filled with power. Go and change the world. Maybe it starts with you just carrying your Bible and someone stops and asks you, like, why are you carrying that? I'm like, well, Jesus changed my life. You should come to church with me. Maybe it starts with that. I and mean, maybe it goes further. Like you start actually sharing like what Jesus did in your life. But go and change the world. You guys are the answer. Jesus is the answer. So tonight, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not actually going to do an altar call. I just want to pray. And when I say amen, I'm going to ask everyone to stand up and come around. And we're just going to pray and up front and just pray earnestly for the Holy Spirit. So if the worship team, you want to continue making your, your way up. Jesus, I pray tonight that as we pray and as we seek you, that your Holy Spirit will fall in this place, that it would be evident God, we want more of you, more of your presence, more of your presence, God. Nothing else, nothing else but you, God, because that's what we need, and that's what our world needs. Answer that prayer for us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.